Genesis 4, there's a lineage that points to this woman's name being Nama. Some scholars say that her name might be Anzara. Okay, but in the story of Noah and the Great Flood, she's just known as his wife, right? So the power couple, which most people wouldn't call them a power couple necessarily, is Noah and his wife. So that's kind of where we're going to focus today. Super well-known story. When I told Sky what, um, who I was talking, or Titus, that's who it was. Titus is homesick today. Y'all pray for him. Um, when I told Titus, he asked me what I was, who I was preaching about, what I was preaching about, what story. I told him, you know, Noah, and he's like, well... At least everybody knows that, so you don't have to get too much background on it. I think he was kind of bored with my choice. Anyway, but God said what he said, and I'm going with it. So hopefully you guys get something out of it. If not, it spoke to me this week. So, um, okay, I want to start by asking you guys a few questions. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more. It's me, right? So, (laughs) um, number one, do you trust the Lord? I'm going to pause because I want you to actually really think about it and me not just say. So do you trust the Lord? Do you wait patiently? Does your patience ever run out? (laughs) Okay, so I think we all probably have um, seasons where we're better with some than the others, but those are goals, right? Those should be Christian goals that we have. Um, And I think those qualities, do we turn off the air up here? I feel air and I'm freezing and I shake when I'm nervous anyway, so I'm going to be shaking out of my skin. Oh my gosh, y'all. Oh, the fan's still on. How do I turn the fan off? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Who cares? I'll just shake. It's really the air, y'all. I'm not that nervous. Okay. So I think that these qualities are ordered by maturity. Okay. So first you learn to trust. Then you learn to wait. And then finally, you wait some more. (laughs) So the last quality is one um, that being able to wait longer than you deem appropriate or longer than you want. Okay. So the, you know. Two and three are kind of similar, but really, anybody can wait patiently for a moment, right? But it's that long season of waiting that is harder. So I broke those up into three different things. Um, Oh, I'm giving away something for later. You didn't see that. I'm a mess, y'all. Okay. So as we move, I want you guys to check yourself and see which person you relate to more. Do you relate to Noah more? Do you relate to his wife more? Or maybe you relate to both of them in different seasons. I know that I did. So we're going to start reading the Bible. Yay. (laughs) Genesis 6. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm in the King James Version. And it came to pass when men began began to multiply on the face of the earth, And daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were fair, and they took them wives for all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also after that, then the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God said that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 6, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So I'll stop at verse 6. It says that God's heart was grieved that he even made man. 
Like, I've read this story over and over. Dusty talked about this not that long ago, um, this part of the story. And I guess I didn't, like, grasp the severity of that. Like, that's so insanely sad. The evil was only continual in their hearts. That's pretty much all that was there. And it grieved God that he then made us. Well, not us, but, you know, mankind. Um, So we all know this story really well. So I'm not going to read the whole story of Noah and the ark to you guys today. Um, But God destroys, he decides to destroy man because evil in their heart. But, but what? But he sees Noah. Do you know that one person, one flawed human being, one guy changed the course of the whole world? Like one that the Bible said had integrity and walked with God. So those were like the two things that he had, even though he is flawed, this flawed human, those two things he had changed the course of everything. Um, And I'd like you to pause for a second and grasp that for yourself. Let that sink in. Noah wasn't Jesus. Noah wasn't perfect. Noah was a man living in a really corrupt time. um, And we know that Noah had flaws. But his integrity and his relationship with God changed God's plan and change the future of all mankind. Um, grasp that for yourself. Like, let that sink in for a second. Like, the same God that we serve today is the same God that Noah served back then, right? And we're made of the same flesh that Noah was. So you know that your integrity, your relationship with God could be way more powerful than, like, even seems possible. I think we really underestimate ourselves sometimes. Um, And if you let that sink in, that can be a total game changer for your life, for the way you view your relationship with the Father. Um, It can totally change your perspective, which then changes your reality, right? Um, So moving on, just a little side note. So the story goes that Noah gave, or God gave Noah specific instructions. He told him to build an ark. He told him exactly how big to build it. He gave him all the specs. Um, and he proceeded to tell Noah about his plan to flood the earth, kill mankind, and that Noah should take two of every sort of living thing and his family, and they should move into this massive boat to keep them alive. Okay, right? That's how the story goes. I probably left out some details, but that's the gist. Lastly, he told him to gather food for everyone that was going to be on the ark. So what did Noah do? I mean, he listened, right? He didn't start off listening and then hear half the plan and then move on. I mean, he listened throughout the whole entire thing, right? Um, and then he did all that God commanded him, not just some, but he did all of it. So he listened the whole time for the entirety of God's instructions, and then he actually walked it out and did everything. Um, and so I said power couple in the beginning, right? Meanwhile, Noah's wife was along for the ride, Okay. So she's in a world so secluded because her husband is walking with the Lord in a generation where pretty much no one is. So, I mean, we just kind of blow over that. But if you think about that for a second, I mean, how lonely do you think that she probably was? Her husband was hearing directly from God and following out this plan. um, But they were secluded before that even happened. They were kind of set apart, which isn't a bad thing, you know, um, but that can be a hard thing, right? So she was secluded because her husband walked with the Lord, um, and what God told Noah to do didn't make a whole lot of sense. It wasn't something that, like, they had seen before. It wasn't like an obvious follow-God plan, like, that they had ever seen, right? So um, added to that, the plan took The plan took 120 years, right? 120 years to build this boat. That's insane. 
That's crazy. Um, so her patience and her trust and her faithfulness didn't run out. That's where that kind of comes in. Like she had trust and she was faithful, but like 120 years trust, 120 years faithful. And that was only the building of it. That wasn't like her life beforehand or her life like the 40 days on the boat or after. That was just the building process for the ark, okay? So she stayed faithful and she's trusted. Um, and like I'm sure with Abraham, ooh, no, Noah. See, that messes me up. I was studying Abraham this week, y'all. Woo! Um, with Noah having the relationship, that's why I should look at my notes, that he had with God, I'm sure that she had one of her own, you know? I mean, to, to be married to and to be walking with that man, I'm sure that she had her. We don't know a whole lot about her, just like that the Bible specifically tells us, but one would assume that she had her own relationship with God. Um, but it never tells us in there that she was told the plan by God. Like, it doesn't tell us that, you know, the Lord told Noah and his spouse. Um, so she was following her husband as he followed the Lord. Um, and sometimes that is really hard to trust and to follow, especially when you're not the one receiving the directions and not the one directly necessarily hearing from God. Um, you know, I'm sure that there were times where she could pray for peace and pray, you know, like I'm sure she did all these things, right? But there wasn't like a direct communication that we know of between her and the Lord. So to me, that's a whole nother level. So who do you relate to more? Just keeping that in mind. Noah, that's walking this out and being told the specific thing or, or the wife who is also faithful, also patient and doing all the same things. But I mean, maybe not getting it straight from him. Um, maybe she did. It's just not said. So we can only assume, right? Anyway, moving on. So once the ark was finished, was that the end of the story? They built the ark. <laughs> now we're done. Um, no, that's like the only, that's the beginning, right? That's kind of the beginning of where everything starts. So in Genesis 7, um, 1 through 12, let me go back over here. This is not my Bible. It's really small writing. Okay. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Okay, so I'm going to skip. I'm not reading all of that. It tells him to take two of every animal, all this stuff, right, which we know. Um, I really don't want to read all of that because of the timing, and you know the story. It's just repetitive. Where can I pick up? Ah, here we go. Verse 6. Um, so he, it's, in verse 5, it says he did all that God commanded. And in verse 6, it says, and Noah was 600 years old when the flood water was upon the earth. So that's kind of where I wanted to stop there. Uh, Noah was 600 when the flood came, guys. So his biggest call... His biggest accomplishment, his biggest responsibility was late. <laughs> I mean, not really because of God's timing, right? But what we would consider late in life, 600 years old, is when that happened. Um, and so I'd encourage, I don't know who I'm encouraging, different people in different seasons, right? But I'd encourage you guys to not grow weary and to, to don't grow weary, don't doubt, don't give up. Um, to trust God, wait patiently. Here we go with the patiently waiting again. And not to let your patience run out. Don't start well with patience and then just throw it out the window. It took 120 years to build the ark, right? 
But everything about this process and this story was so drawn out. Like, it was so drawn out. And it required long-standing patience and trust. So now I'm going to talk about you guys for a minute. Can I give you guys some stats about patients in America today? Okay. So 26% of Americans will knowingly consume extremely hot food or drink that burns their mouth. 96%. So who are the 4% that patiently wait for your food to cool off? Raise your hand. That's about right. There are hardly any hands raised here. We're going to scorch our mouth, and we're not going to enjoy the rest of our meal or our food because we can't taste anything, and our tongue is hurt because we can't wait two seconds, <laughs> or we can't blow on our food. Okay, so 96%. Over half of us hang up the phone after being on hold for one minute or less. 70% of you admitted, not you, 71% admitted to speeding while driving. So I don't know if that's an accurate assessment, 71%, because even 10 over is speeding, guys, right? Um, one in four people abandon a web page that takes more than four seconds to load. And 50% of mobile users abandon a page if it doesn't load in 10 seconds. The last one, the average American won't wait in line longer than 15 minutes, and that's just pretty much any line. Okay, so that's pretty impatient. That's a little crazy, and I'm really guilty of that. So just to give you perspective of where we are in our culture today. So when you think that we can't wait 10 seconds or we're speeding everywhere we're going, like think about 600 years until like your call is fulfilled. Think about 120 years to build a stinking boat. <laughs> like, I mean, that's insane. We can't even wait 10 seconds. So, um, okay, let's move on. Let's engage the kiddos for a second. Have you guys ever heard of the marshmallow test? Anybody? This is a test, and it shows whether children who are given a marshmallow would choose to eat their marshmallow immediately or receive, and receive nothing extra, or would they wait 10 to 15 minutes to get two? Okay, so unless I have any parents completely objecting, which I might, but I want the kids to like me today, so we're going to go with it. Um, Anybody that's 12 or under and under, 12 and under, that would like a marshmallow, come see me. 12 and under, would like a marshmallow. Don't make eye contact with mom and dad. Don't get on the stage, stand in front of it. Nope, down in front. Sky set a good example. Okay, so if you want a marshmallow, grab a little tray. I'm going to give you one. Don't touch it yet until I explain things. Once you get your one marshmallow, go back to your seat. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. You're welcome. You're welcome, parents. This will let them last through the rest of the service. And oh no, don't don't get that one. We don't know when we clean the stage last. <laughs> Thank you for waiting so patiently, Owen. Did I miss anybody? Anybody else not run down here? Okay. So here's the deal. Kids, listen. Don't touch your marshmallow, but listen to me. That marshmallow is yours, and you can eat it in a second. You can eat it if you want. Wait. But if you wait until after the service, I have a bunch left, and you can come get two. So you can double your marshmallow, but you have to wait until the end of service. So you can eat one now, and that's fine. That's really okay. I don't care. Or if you want to have patience and wait, then as soon as I'm done talking, you can come get another marshmallow, but to get that other marshmallow, I have to see the first one still in your cup. 
okay? So if you want only one and you want it now, you can have it. If you want to wait patiently, you get two. Okay, moving on. Okay, so this study that they did with the marshmallow test, it showed that even at a young age, we start learning patience and we start um, patterning that for our actual lives. So even at that age, these littles, they're starting patterns. Um, so we start out with marshmallows and then we grow into arc level patients, right, by the time we're adults. But it starts young and that all matters too. Okay, there's hope for your struggle, I promise. Do you know that there are tricks that you can do and practice on your brain? You can trick your brain into being more patient. Here's a few ways you can improve your patience. There's four. You can adjust your serotonin. This works as an antidepressant when it's boosted. A study in 2018 shown, showed that when mice were given an extra dose of serotonin, they were capable to wait for a reward and that the mice that did not get it could not wait, period. So, I mean, we're not mice, but the study was done on them. So, supposedly, a boost in your serotonin is an immediate way to go ahead and increase your patience. What are some natural ways to do that? Anybody know? Ah, yes, exercise is one. Um, expo exposure to bright light or to daylight is one. Um, eating certain foods like eggs, cheese, pineapple, tofu, the, all those things will boost your serotonin. Using your imagination. I think Dusty is one of the most patient people I've ever met. And now that I've read this list, it really makes sense because he does all these, he does all these things. Um, okay, so use your imagination. In 2017, neuroscientists studied these MRI scans to find a direct link in our brain structure um, between imagination and patience. So putting this into the practice, like practically thinking, how could I use my imagination to um, increase my patience? It's pretty much daydreaming, okay? So daydreaming, especially while in the middle of a patient struggle, actually increases your patience. I don't know if that's just because you're distracted <laughs> and you're not thinking about the thing or if that, I mean, they say it actually works. So we're going to go with that. Neuroscientists are much, much more knowledgeable than I am, right? Especially on that. So um, practicing intentional optimism. So some people are just optimistic naturally, and some of us really have to be intentional about that, right? So practicing intentional optimism, that goes hand in hand with the imagination tactic. And um, so if you're pretty much able to make yourself feel um, preemptively good about what is going to happen about something while you wait, so like if you can make yourself be optimistic about the outcome of the thing that you're patiently waiting on or for, um, then your brain finds it more easy to wait for that thing. So the key is the emotion while you're thinking about your situation. So you intentionally choosing your emotion and your perspective on the thing you're waiting for actually increases the patience. Um, and the last one is visualizing that you have patience, which seems kind of hokey to me. But Dusty's all about that kind of stuff. And he's the most patient person I know. So maybe I should just take his word for it, right? You visualize your patience. So um, human psychology is a weird thing. Um, they did a study in 2018 that shows that some people viewed willpower as something that you can run out of. 
I bet you we're probably split about half and half in here. Um, the second group didn't regard challenges to their willpower as something that can be exhausted. So if you view it as inexhaustible, your patience grows. If you're able to, that, and so that's what they call it, being able to like visualize and see your patience. Like if you see it as a meter and you're running out of it, like you can serve it, which doesn't really make sense to me. But I mean, I think your brain your brain is a powerful thing. So it's that's why I think they call it tricking, like four things to kind of trick your brain into more patience. So um, if you view your willpower as exhaustible, then you're in a bad way when it comes to patience. But if you view it as something that never runs out and you can just freely give it, you do much better. Okay, so that part of it really speaks to me because I love things like that. Like, And some of you checked out a minute ago because that's not how your brain is wired. So jumping back into the Bible. Woo. Okay. Galatians 6, 9, everybody back with me that checked out a minute on all that boring info. Okay, and children, marshmallows, are we still waiting, some of us, patiently waiting? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going. You want me to talk faster, don't you? Okay, Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in doing well, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What's that? Patience again. Here we go. So we see in verse 7, Noah's wife, sons, sons' wives were all saved because of Noah's righteousness and his obedience. Um, so let me ask you another question, questions today. Do you realize that your role, the man or the woman that you choose to be, can literally save the ones you love most? Like literally, like actually save them. Noah's life saving was super obvious, right? I mean, they would have just drowned and died. Um, and it always is not always that way, right? Um, it could be in ways that you don't even see or ways that you have no clue about. Um, we only see part of other people's lives. Um, we can't be inside their skin, which is good news because that's creepy. And we can't really be in their heads or their hearts either. Um, but I want to ask you a question. Whose life are you saving today? Like, whose life are you saving in this life? Like, you should be helping others and saving people because of your choices. I know that that seems extreme, but, like, seriously, like, we have power to do that. Um, I'm not saying you're Jesus. Don't get too excited. None of you are Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But we can really have a real-life impact on real-life people, okay? Um, because of Noah's wife, back to her, because of her trust, faithfulness, and willingness um, to go, she was also saved. So he could have been who he was, and she could have still, like, perished <laughs> because of her stubbornness or because of her choices. So she, I think that she's kind of right along there with him in almost every single action and choice, but she's just not mentioned. So she had to choose to do that. She could have been too stubborn or too scared to move, and death would have been her fate. So don't be too scared to move. Don't move now. Don't run out. I don't know if, my, if I could take that. Dusty has y'all coming in and out all the time, and he's good, but I'm, I don't know. Um, but don't be too scared to move in life, right? Trust, be faithful, be willing. So we know that Noah does all that is commanded of him, and what happens? It rains for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, and then in verse 16, Noah is told by God to take his family and go out of the boat. So who knows where they were? Would you be willing to step out on new land, or are you? Have you been willing, or are you willing to step out on new land, in a new area, in a new place? Here's the call again, like the trust call, right? Um, Noah had to trust and go. Um, who else had to go? Anybody could guess this by now. Who else had to go? Noah chose to go. 
his wife, his wife had to go. He, she had to choose that. She could have stayed on that stinky, <laughs> sure it was very stinky, the stinky boat forever, but she chose to go. She chose to trust as well. So everything, no experience, she was right there beside him. She's the unnoticed, obedient, and faithful partner. But she's in the story all along as well. Um, she ended up being the new Eve, if you'd like to say. Um, she was the first woman of the world post-flood. The eldest, the first, the matriarch of this new world. Um, and that's pretty amazing. And why, why did she get to have that role? Because of her trust, her patience, her obedience. Um, that's an extraordinary honor and responsibility. So verse 20, the first thing we see when Noah gets off the boat is that he builds an altar to the Lord. And then he offers burnt offerings. And in verse 21, it says, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, so the Lord didn't say this to Noah, but he said it in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man or because of men. Noah was the reason that God decided to never curse the ground again. It wasn't that the flood quenched God's wrath. And it wasn't that he was sad that everything was destroyed. Um, it wasn't that that was God's plan the whole time, that he would never do that again. So it was really Noah's actions after he got off the boat and his relationship with God that were the life-saving thing. And it was also the, a future changer. So because of his covenant with God, God made a covenant with mankind. Noah's covenant sparked God's covenant with us that he would never flood the earth again. So let's all say thanks, Noah. Round of applause, right? <laughs> Y'all don't have to repeat after me, but be kind of nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still a little bit ridiculous and nervous, but I'm getting over it. Um, not the ridiculous part, the nervous part. <laughs> Noah, after being saved, after being obedient, journey, Rutherford, I see those eyes. <laughs> what is the eyes for? I can see, oh, yeah, <laughs> I can see Journey. <laughs> She's making faces. Okay, Noah, after being saved, after being obedient, after working his 600-year-old bones and fingers to the bone, like he worked his, his tail off, 600 years, he was on a boat in the rain. It was dark and gloomy. I don't, we've had rain for like a week, and I'm like, oh, like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I feel very sad. Like, I had to pick myself up. Like, try to convince myself we're good. We're good. Like, he had 40 days and 40 nights on a boat. Um, that's some serious vitamin D deficiency. And he's on this boat with his family for 40 days and 40 nights. That'd be enough reason for some of y'all not to make it. Like, 40 days and 40 nights trapped. Trapped with your family. Okay. Think about Thanksgiving. Think about Christmas. Like, I don't know. Some of y'all aren't making it. Um, after caring for who knows how many animals, we don't know exactly how many animals there were, right? So he had to care for all those stinky, stinky things. He had to smell the stench of said animals. So like your horses in the barn and your dogs that go outside. I mean, there was no outside. Well, there was, but it was flooded. It was water. Like he's not holding the dog over the side of the boat to poop. So where's all that going? I mean, that's not my nose. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, I need to get myself together. I'm channeling Dusty's goofiness, and it doesn't fit me well. So, anyway, y'all are missing him too much, so I had to throw something stupid in there. He's not stupid. He says silly things. Ma is help. His mom's trying to help me and telling me to cut it out. 
I'm sorry, Dusty. I love you when you listen to this, and I miss you so much. So, and hopefully we have a church when you get home. Okay, I'm sorry. So dogs are not pooping over the side of the ark. Like, it stunk in there, guys. Like, it was, it was nasty. There was a stench. Like, all of the manure, I mean, and that's, that's just the animals. Like, human poop is way gross, way worse. So where are they going? I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Let's not talk about poop anymore. I was trying to get the kids back involved, right? Poop stories. Okay, mama boys, I don't know. So he had all these endless responsibilities, and his patience did not run out. I mean, maybe he had moments, but when it's all said and done, like, I think that he kind of fared well. Um, Because why do I think that? Well, what was the very first thing that he did? When he got off the boat, he obviously was in, like, a mental headspace, heart space, spirit space that wasn't, like, that horrible. He must have had that longstanding patience and trust because... He immediately, the very first thing he did was build an offer, altar and offer sacrifices to God. A burnt offering, we talked about this a couple years ago when I got to speak. I don't know who all was in here, but a burnt offering, there's different kinds of offerings, right? And we won't go into all of them because the time thing, I'm probably getting close, so I should talk faster. A voluntary offering, the burnt offering is a voluntary offering. Um, And it signifies complete surrender. So different offerings back then meant different things. So the offering that he did was voluntary. Obviously, he chose it. And it signified his complete surrender. Even after all of that, that is what he did first, very first when he got off the boat. Like, it was like, okay, God, here I am again. Like, complete surrender. So I think that's incredible and very impressive and super humble and a very powerful statement. Um. I'm thinking, like, for the Christian life, that's kind of major goals, right? So he goes through a really tough 120 years in five weeks, um, plus a couple days. And he definitely had to see God, right? But he had flesh issues, and I'm sure that they were tested. He was human. Um, And his very first act, when the season was over, was to build an altar to God. So my prayer for myself and for you guys is that that's the kind of life that we live. Even after going through a hard struggle, when you see God in it, but it's still hard, that that's where your heart is, right? That's where it's aligned. So the smell of that offering, that, the smell of that offering is what touched God's heart. It says, he said in his heart that he would never curse the ground again. So Noah's sacrifice is what made God decide to never flood the earth again. And Noah, like, think about Noah's perspective. He might not have ever heard or seen the large impact that his actions had. It doesn't really say. It says God said in his heart. So we don't know if they had conversation past that that isn't recorded. But it said that God said in his heart. So the magnitude of Noah's sacrifice and his act of complete surrender was revealed to us in Scripture. But it doesn't say necessarily that God let Noah know what was on his heart and the move of his heart. Um, so like, I'm really wrapping up and getting really close guys. Um, Noah touched God's heart deeply. And how do we know that like the things that we do, how do we know who they affect and on what level from the people that are in our lives to even like the deity that we serve and love and uh, like our, our God, our daddy, like even him, like you don't really, you don't always know the full effect of what you have, but your choices, your integrity and your relationship with the Lord really do matter. Um, you just can't always see the, the full fruition of what that looks like. So, um, Noah touched God's heart deeply and it changed possibly the whole world forever. 
I mean, we don't really know what it would have looked like if it went another way, right? Um, But our relationship with God is a very real thing. It's just as real as the one that Noah had with him. And it is a life-changing, outcome-changing, world-changing relationship. Can you believe that for yourself? Like, really let that sink in. Like, really. Like, don't walk away and just let it be the same old, same old and minimize the power that's in that. I have a hard time with that. Dusty would be like, oh, yeah, like, and he, he wouldn't struggle with that so much because he, but for me, having it seem that powerful, it kind of blows my mind. It's really hard for me to wrap my mind around that, but I'm going to try. So I encourage you guys, the ones of you that, like, can't quite get there to keep pushing and trying. So here's an overview. In closing, let's overview how Noah saved, preserved, and changed the whole course of the whole world. He did six things. Number one, he was full of integrity and walked with the Lord. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, he listened as God gave him detailed instructions, and Noah did all that God commanded him. Number three, he trusted. He trusted the Lord. Sometimes the shortest and the one with the fewest words is sometimes the hardest one. Um, So he trusted depends on your season. Maybe it's the easiest one for you right now. Number four, he was faithful and he kept going. So he wasn't faithful for just a moment. He was faithful and he kept going. Number five, he was patient. 120 years to build the ark, 40 days and 40 nights on the ark. His patience didn't run out, at least not long term. And number six, he built an altar and he offered burnt offerings to God, offerings of complete surrender that were his choice to make. This is a shorter list. On the flip side, what did Noah's wife do? You might find yourself in both of these positions in your life, and neither one are greater than the other. So, number one, she followed the one that was in authority over her. That, to me, is sometimes harder if you're not 100% hearing it for yourself. And, I look, I say that. You should be praying and seeking the Lord for yourself. You should not blindly follow any human being. Um, but... She, I mean, even in that, like, I'm sure she had moments where she's like, okay, God, but she followed the one that was in authority over her while he was following the Lord. So you have to make sure that the person, you're, you know, you have to make sure it's in right order. So that was her number one. Number two, the same as his number four, she trusted. She had a trust too. A lot of these are the same. Number three, she was faithful and she was patient. She might have had to be more patient because she was having to deal with Noah and the Lord. Noah was just focusing on God, but we don't know what kind of man Noah was. So he might have drove her a little bit crazy. I don't know. Maybe he come home and frustrated. I mean, he was a human, so you could just play out. I'm not going to, in the, you know, because I don't need to do that in time's sake. But they had a real relationship, Noah and his wife. So, like, I'm sure that her faithfulness and patience within this process was probably hard because what he was having to actually physically build was a hard thing. And he was really, you know, on the older side, 600 years old is, is you know, kind of moving up the hill. Um, number four, last one, she was willing to move and to go. Um, though it might have been completely blind trust and faith in the Lord, she did not get scared or stubborn and just stay. So she was mil- willing to be on the move. Are you more like Noah or more like his wife in this season right now? Have you heard the voice of the Lord for yourself? Or are you following someone in authority over you in their pursuit of his plan? Also praying, also seeking the Lord for yourself. But there's kind of a different, it kind of looks a little bit different. Um, Both take several of the same qualities, trust and patience, plus some and some and some and some. 
So I'm going to end with a question or 10. I'm going to pause after each one, not super long, but I want you to actually think about it. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Really take inventory of where you are in your life. Um, are you living with integrity and walking with the Lord? You don't have to answer out loud. I'm not looking for that. I'm going to just have a pregnant pause and awkward silence for a second and let you guys actually just think. So are you living with integrity and are you walking with the Lord? Are you doing all that God is commanding you right now? Are you trusting him? Are you being faithful to keep going? Are you being patient? Have you let your patience run out? Are you giving voluntary offerings of complete surrender to the Lord? Last question. Are you ready to be a world changer like Noah? You can totally change the course of your world, like literally. Like really, you really can do that. You, one person, integrity, walking with the Lord, can like change your world. So Noah did, and I don't believe that he ever knew the full extent of what his actions actually produced. So he did it, and I, don't, I think he saw some of it, but I don't think he saw all of it. So uh, my charge to you guys and to myself, let's be complete, completely surrendered. Let's be course-changing, world-shaking um, sons and daughters that hold the key to our God's heart. Because don't forget, like, that, that offering that he, that he, you know, burned, it, it touched the Lord. So, like, you have the ability to do that. So that's my charge. Completely surrendered, course-changing, world-shaking. Let's love each other, and let's, let's hold that key to God's heart and really value um, our relationship and realize that it makes a difference and that it can make, like, the world a difference in your world. So, Okay. I'm going to pray and close out the service, and then after I'm done praying, when I say amen, guys, any children that have their marshmallow left, bring it up here to me. Nicely wait in a line in front of the stage, and I'll give you your second marshmallow. If you ate your marshmallow already, then I hope you enjoyed it, and lunch will be soon, so don't worry. Don't be too hungry. Okay, you guys ready? God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all these people in this room um, and people that will just be listening I ask you to bless each one. Help us to take these words and not just move on with our life and our day. Help it to, like, actually change our minds and our perspective. Help it to um, help us to realize the significance that a relationship with you actually has, not just for eternity and for what we can get out of it, but the way that it can change, change our worlds, God. So help us to have patience and trust and more patience and more patience. Um, <laughs> Help us to have those things, God, and help us to be intentional with that and realize that that just doesn't necessarily come naturally. It's something that you choose. So help us to walk in more patience this week and more trust with you. Um, help us to um, save, save a life that we're connected to. Help us to be uh, Noah in our own little personal worlds. Um, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the blessings that you've given each one of us. Everybody in this room is loved well and, and, and is blessed, whether we know it or not. So thank you for that. 
Um, I pray traveling mercies for everybody and that everybody would take this Sunday, this beautiful day that you've provided us and just enjoy it and, and love on at least one other person. So help this Sunday to be profitable. Um, thank you for your love and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.